0: Welcome to episode 146, of Cowboy Shit. My name is Ted Stoven, and he is the official co-host of the show, Mr. Dustin Edwards. What does it feel like to be a co-host, a real oh, official co-host?
1: I've never wanted anything more. And uh, Ted, you're making dreams come true here.
0: <laughs> is this where we play? Uh, where we play? Uh, you make my dreams come true by uh, uh, Hall and Oates
1: long cue the Hall on oats and i'll uh (laughs) do the dance
0: (laughs) oh yeah welcome i appreciate you doing it though dustin thanks for uh we've been friends for a long time been doing this kind of thing for a long time so i appreciate you jumping on
1: oh man i'm uh you know a lot of good things have happened me on this podcast found love uh, (laughs) love to hear the gator stories uh it's true just all of it so really really excited to uh be, be a part of it now so
0: it's uh it's kind of neat though really like we accidentally found you a future wife (laughs) yeah that
1: worked out really good
0: right like it's kind of funny though like i don't know have we ever really broke that down much like i don't know like you two kind of knew each other but you didn't but you were in different circles or not at all like what was the deal
1: never met never really weren't connected on any social platforms
0: really just never met ever before
1: Never, which is funny because I know that's you wild. guys were before that. Yeah, so yeah, uh, cowboy shit podcast brought us together, and four and a half years later, I'm the co-host. And uh, look at that, true love continues.
0: <laughs> Man, I'm ha- I'm happy for you guys. Though it's kind of neat that two friends could get together like that, just kind of by accident. But that's kind of how that, probably kind of how the best stuff works. Just oh, totally by accident, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I, I think those are, those make cool stories and. um and the best part is we've got it uh we've got it wherever you get your podcasts uh, for the rest of time so, <laughs> so it's it's uh, one of those things that uh, i'm sure will will carry on the legacy and play to our children
0: have uh have people said much about it out there to you like what's what's the uh feeling for for folks that have listened yeah to the one where you guys get hooked up where we don't really i guess it, it's not really that obvious though it, it far like it wasn't it wasn't really for you you guys were on this on a side portion of that show essentially
1: yeah i think it's it's amazing it's fun when people say how'd you guys meet <laughs> when, you say a, when you say a podcast people are like huh what yeah it's not you know it's not tinder or bumble yeah. or at a bar right so
0: <laughs> yeah true or at at somewhere yeah, yeah podcast like i wonder if that's ever happened before
1: you might be the first
0: i don't know I maybe know maybe not I don't know. Well, anyways, we're I'm happy to have you on the show and uh uh as you can tell I don't know if I've ever done a show in my full uh, rodeo gear, but we uh <laughs> literally just got done the perf in pinoca and I wanted to make sure we got this done. So first perf is in the books. This show's coming out on Wednesday, so Monday night perf down. We got a full week the rest of the week here. Uh first one's in the books though was uh pretty solid rodeo. I thought we were did my production logs and we were six minutes ahead of schedule by the end of it. So it's nice to finish one early.
1: Yeah, you guys were clicking along good. I was tuned in on the Cowboy Channel tonight. We were watching from home and uh yeah, that rodeo it banged off really good. It was it was impressive. Yeah, it
0: was awesome. It was really good. The uh the rest of the week, uh, I'm looking forward to the rest of the week. We got a lot more content later on in the week, so going to have some bigger bigger shows, but yeah, going to be a great week. Glad to have the crew from Feature here. Glad to work with uh with Less and and Dr. Lynn and Ash Cooper. I only get to work with him. It's kind of the only place I've ever got, really got to work with Ash at. So I enjoy that. And, and who am I missing? Alicia. Like I think I already said, the feature guys and the whole Pinocchio Stampede committee. There's there's lots going on here, but we're getting it done. So yeah, it's, it's a nice pretty, week.
1: Pretty, and we're camping. Pretty, a rodeo. And you're camping. Yeah,
0: we're camping. Lots
1: in the like, camper.
0: So far, it's nicer this year than it was last year. Last year was pretty cold and rainy the whole week. So we're already I feel better off. So it's not cold when you have to shower in the camper, you know? It's less. Less awful that way.
1: Yeah. And camping showers are either really good or really bad.
0: Yeah. So, so yeah, here we are. But, uh, man, I had some notes here that I, if I wouldn't have looked at them, I might have forgot. But the Calgary Stampede put out their, uh, their bigger and better format, uh, for this year's rodeo and hyped it up about how awesome it is. And then I've, uh, and like last show, we had Will Osler, Calgary Stampede president, chairman of the board, uh, on the show. And that list came out like that same week that, that he, uh, was on, but then we haven't had a chance to talk about it yet. So Dustin, first off, I'm going to throw the ball over to your court. What are your (laughs) thoughts on the, uh, on the stampede, uh, the new format. So for those that don't know, first off the new format, three pools instead of two going to go to, uh, what is it now? Is it 30 contestants per event instead of 20? Yeah. Yeah, So, so a 50% increase in contestants, contestant numbers um what else that's kind of it I guess wild card Saturday's no more, gone
1: yeah no more wild card so you you just yeah. run the three rules and and top uh, nine definitely. must advance
0: it must not be a it must just be top nine now that go to Sunday I don't know how they'd get the tenth person if it's yeah, top it's, three
1: top three I do believe goes into Sunday right so yeah they eliminate me wild card round and and three eliminate somebody on, on
0: yeah so what do you what are your thoughts first off
1: well, I mean, if initially you're excited because you're thinking, wow, they're, they're increasing the number of contestants that are coming to Calgary. And, you know, in your head you're thinking, oh, this is going to open the door for a lot more people we might know. But I I don't think that was the case. So I guess, you know, quite candid, it's kind of like more people, but uh, not really Canadian content-wise. So yeah, uh, that that was the feeling I got. It was kind of like, oh, this is awesome. More guys, you kind of get rid of that wild card thing, which, which is cool sometimes if it works out, but, um, yeah, I think the lack of Canadians on, in the addition of the increase was really disappointing.
0: Well, so I did some, uh, some numbers and looked back cause I always, always used to keep track of how many Canadians went to Calgary. It was kind of something that I looked at with NFR and, um, and, uh, and what else with Canadian stock going different places and, and Calgary was always one that was interesting about Canadians. Cause there's formerly six events, there's no team roping, no breakaway but six events, so 120 contestants. And previously there were there were, you know, kind of like twenty-five to thirty two between twenty, you know, I think twenty twelve and twenty eighteen or nineteen when I was last keeping track. Um but I also actually I need to go back and look at what I sent because I remember sending this to Sean at one point. And I might have sent it to you too, right? Did I send you all these stats?
1: No, I never seen
0: that. Oh, my bad. Um I sent a little thing because I was going to write a piece and I haven't got to it yet. Um, been a little busy, but um, okay. So yeah, I wrote a whole thing here. By my math, there are the same amount of cana- and co- same number of Canadian contestants now. So there's 31 this year and there were 26 in 2018. And then there were 32 in 2015 and 2016 and 27 in 2014. So the numbers are in the similar area, but back then the 32 is the high point. 32 of 120 is 26.6%. And if you go 27 would have been, you know, a little bit less. 26 goes down to 21%. Um, That was the lowest number. So 20, 20, 21% was the lowest number of Canadians back then. But now if you go to it, uh, 31 out of one hundred eighty is 17%. So from your, you know, you're high of, uh, of 32 in 20, uh, 15 and 16 in the, in the recent memory, right? Like I didn't do 19. No. There was no 20, uh, forget 21 would have been a high number of Canadians, a higher than usual. So, you know, and I appreciated the Canadian content I, being from here. Um, but, but just first off, we're looking at about a four to 10% decrease, uh, like decline in the percentage of Canadian content this year with three pools compared to the two pool system. So, that's not all, though. If you look at like what twenty six percent of one hundred and eighty is, it's actually forty seven point eight eight Canadian Canadians. What what could be if it was if we use twenty six point six percent, we get forty seven point eight eight. So we're like essentially sixteen short, and sixteen yeah. divided by thirty two is is fifty. So we're like we could argue that we're fifty percent. We have a fifty percent decline in potential Canadian contestants, which to yeah. me, and I I think off. they
1: had an opportunity there.
0: Well, but on the other hand. If you're like, we're not just trying to fill the shoots with the Canadians. That's not my point. We want to have the best Canadians there. But I think it was a little bit. I think it was a little bit easier to take the best Canadians and have them compete against the best in the world when there was it was a fewer amount of people. essentially, Right. right? Yeah. Like, you, know, you got a better chance to win. You, you're a one in 20 chance. Now you're down to a one in 30 chance. So. I'm not knocking anybody from from up here, but like. I don't know. I think they might have thought that maybe maybe somebody thought that they're going to get more Canadians in the Calgary based on the PRCA standings. But even so, how does Nick Tetz make the CFR in the bull riding and make you know win the PBR Canada title? And he lives in Calgary. Would probably be a good little marketing play for the Calgary Stampede to have somebody from Calgary who is a pretty high level contestant, and yeah. he doesn't even get the invite.
1: Yeah, which is a shame, right? You got probably one of the best canadian bull riders is going in your hometown hometown yeah. oh, guy yeah it's so it's, it's little things like that right and i mean um you know you look back over the last couple of years uh you know the canadians that have won right like jordan hansen won and i guess dakota would have would have split it like like you say like these guys can come here and hang and, and compete with the best in the world so um yeah, it was, it was definitely a little disappointing. And can you imagine what those numbers would look like if we didn't have the contingent of saddle bronc riders we've got going right now? Like, oh man,
0: yeah, be a little like bit less. That's,
1: that, that's where we're really dominating those numbers. It's that group of bronc riders who are. And there's
0: there's only three bareback riders, I think, in the whole whole thing. I didn't I haven't looked at the list lately, but I think when I first counted, there's three Canadian bareback riders out of thirty.
1: Yeah, yeah, and Yeah, and you know, like. Um, I mean, look at the last couple of years. Like, how you know, when you see the Canadians win, Bertine Olson won the barrel racing, and Jordan wins bull riding there a couple of years ago, and, and Dakota last year. And, and you know, it just it gives the rodeo so much energy and so much hype. And oh, yeah, and
0: and Chad Best plug wins in 2012, and you got Dustin Flundra. Um, Zeke Thurston wins it two or three times, you know, nice. recently. Uh, yeah. Warren, who else? Uh, clint lay i remember he won calgary like it's just such a boost for canadian contestants and well, now that it when, counts
1: when island won it back a few years ago oh, yeah. hundred thousand right Jeez. like it just it's, it's a uh, changer it, totally and and it just it gives such cool storylines right and um oh, yeah. and 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 again it's in it and it's not that there's not the talent here to compete it's just too bad that they're not gonna have a chance to get showcased i guess so
0: yeah and um I just, I think it's a big step back for Canadian rodeo, honestly. And like, I get that maybe the plan was, and I, I actually sent an email to, uh, to the Calgary stampede. I probably sent it to the wrong person. Um, I never got a reply back, but I wanted to ask like, what their thoughts were on, you know, what the reasoning was, what the plan was, what the thoughts were. But like I kind of gave an official chance and maybe didn't get directed to the right places. I I don't want to assume anything, but like never heard back on what the reasoning was behind the changes. Um, but you know, maybe it's for, like, I'm speculating now, but maybe it's for PRCA reasons, so the PRCA is pushing it on them since it's sanctioned now, and they can't let that few people, that few people compete, but if we're comparing this to Houston, Rodeo Houston is 30 days long, is yeah. 10 days, like, you can't fit 100 contestants into 10 days unless you want to not have any pools at all, and then, yeah. I mean what are you trying to do? Like you can say the best in the world, if you have the top five in the world, or if you have the top hundred. So where do you draw the line?
1: And well, yeah. there's names, there's names on that list I Ted, that, that, I, that I didn't even know who some of these people are not yeah, me either. Like, I'm just like, okay. and And I get it. Like we probably get a little more excited about it being connected to Canadian rodeo. And I'm sure to the average fan that's walking into the Calgary stampede with a ticket to the rodeo, they don't have a clue. And
0: maybe, but they know if it's an Alberta person, they're probably gonna cheer louder.
1: Well, yeah, if it's a kid I from Calgary,
0: think. like there's a lot of people from Calgary that go to the Calgary Stampede.
1: I remember when um uh was it Connor Hamilton was won the yeah. novice bear pack and he was a Calgary kid yeah, and hockey like, the place went nuts, right? Like
0: so funny story, his brother is the one of the golf pros at the golf course at Valley Ridge. Oh, right, no Yeah, no shit. Yeah, his brother, it was awesome. We had a good chat the other day.
1: I think we used to play against another brother. His, I think played for Canmore in the AGHL too. So
0: I think he plays good hockey still too. I forgot what his name is now, but yeah.
1: So, you know, those are the kind of things that like, even when Jordan won, I know that was the, that was the year they came back after COVID, but like, man, when you have people, local people stand out there putting a $50,000 check over their head
0: or a hundred, like it (laughs) used to be.
1: Yeah. Another knock.
0: How do you give away millions of dollars to whatever you're doing and still not pay the rodeo full, full on?
1: Yeah. That's, you know and, and last year last oh year they're, they're they're hitting record attendance again right 2022 and you know it's 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 a shame to see it not go back into the contestants pockets even though um i don't know how much of it will stay in canada i hope though i hope the the few that are there go there and kick some kick some butt and keep that money in, in canada but yeah, um we'll see. i guess i guess in the same respect we went down there and take brought home a lot of money the last couple of years but uh true still it's it's a it's a showcase rodeo it's it's a 10 days and, and uh, you know, when they, when they increase more contestants, you just really wish that that percentage was higher. And I think it's a, it's a, it's a total fail in that respect.
0: Yeah. I'm with you. I think it's a, I think I said earlier, but I think it's a huge step back for rodeo in Canada for our premier event in the country next to the Canadian finals to be less Canadian. Now I think less Canadian with more people. Like I, I just, I saw bigger and better and I saw the numbers and I was like, I don't know about this. This might be quite the spin, but yeah, I'm not a fan of the decrease in Canadian contestants. And I, I think it's cool that it counts, but I think it's cool that it counts for our Canadian folks. that get to go make a run at the finals at the NFR because they won a bunch of money at Calgary. Like I would think we want to as Canadians and as people put on a rodeo in Canada, it's a home game. Every other sport yeah. with a home game, it's an advantage. And I'm not so sure if this is an advantage at this point.
1: You know, you get you get the Zeeks of the world who can go out there and and uh, you know excel to the highest level on, on those stages. But um, it's it's not going to be easy for for our Canadians on home field to
0: <laughs> well victorious.
1: Yeah, and it's not a knock against the talent because I looked at the list. I mean, every one of our guys on there and oh, yeah. and win. There's no question. But hundred uh, percent. Yeah, and and you know, like only three three go out of your pool, and you've got. You've got three days, three rounds to to make it work, right?
0: And, instead of instead of the top four, yeah. So there's less per pool, yeah. so you're competing against more people for less spots. And I, had four one of the rounds before. yeah, exactly in four rounds, yeah. And so, and I don't know what the just, payout is per per day either. Yeah. Like I hope that the round money's still the same, but they're gonna have to pay eight thousand dollars a day for it to pay the same because you just pay fifty five hundred a day, so twenty two thousand over four days, and now you're gonna have to pay seventy three seventy four hundred bucks a day to make that the same
1: yeah so if they don't you're actually gonna Making win less you money less money during the during the week right yeah. so yeah um, and even and then the wild card round paid money so you know you you essentially could compete in five perfs before you got to the championships mm-hmm. so
0: yeah yeah so I don't know I don't know Dustin I'm uh I'm waiting to hear back uh, I guess I should send another note and maybe we'll talk about it after <laughs> after Calgary but like yeah, I never heard back kind of like, like
1: wheel gets the grease, so
0: yeah. Keep it at his end. I'll bug, I'll bug folks again at Calgary to kind of get an explanation maybe <laughs> on what it is. But uh, anyways, that's kind of what where my head was at. But yeah, we're in Calgary this week. Dustin, you were in Bassano last week. Uh, how was the first pro rodeo in Bassano?
1: Yeah, it was it was really cool. You know, that was a little community that uh, decided they wanted to go pro. And I, I heard that they had a pro rodeo back in like the 70s, um, but they've been like border country, FCA kind of since like 82, 81. And their first pro rodeo and it was really cool The saturday night they had really good crowds and um yeah credit to them they they knocked it out of the park and we had a couple of fun little purse there and uh yeah it was dry it was dusty but they got some really good talent there and you know we've seen some uh, really good rides uh saw some rookies win some rodeos we saw you know like yeah
0: dixon tatry good for that
1: guy wins the bronc ride and then you had uh griffin smelter won the boat riding and and uh, you had some, you know, some world-class cowboys in, in the timed events coming up, a lot of the big Americans. And, and yeah, it was really, it was just a really good couple little perks. a tip of the hat to the committee.
0: Right on. Well, I'm glad to hear it. We, uh, like I said, I'm Pinocchio, then we go to Bull Bullbustin. So by the time we do the next show, it'll be probably, I guess it'll probably be the middle of the Calgary this year. I kind of forgot about that, but probably in the middle of Stampede. We'll be heading to uh, Teepee Creek by then. Looking forward to that one. Uh, but yeah, we better get to the interview, man, because. I totally forgot until this point of the show that our interview this week is all because of our new cowboy shit beer, courtesy of our friends at Cold Garden, and we talked to the founder, co-founder of Cold Garden on the show this week, Dan Allard. So, thanks for joining me today, here, Dustin. Uh, thanks for making this work late at night. I'm getting kind of tired. I got to go to bed soon, but uh, thanks for staying up late and listening. And folks, thanks for listening to Cowboy Shit. My name is Ted Stoven. He is Dustin Edwards. This is episode 146. We've got a special message from Kyle Wilson and Rocky Mountain Days. It's going to be July, I believe, July 6th uh, in DeWitton, Alberta. He'll tell you all about it coming up uh, right after this. Well, we've got uh, another piece of the show here this week. I'm talking with uh Kyle Wilson. He's one of the organizers of Rocky Mountain Days coming up here in DeWinton, Alberta on Thursday, July 6. Kyle, um we got this put together here a little bit last minute, but thanks for making it work. But tell me, tell me more about Rocky Mountain Days. Uh you guys have got a got a pasture open and uh and bronc riding coming up on the on the 6th of July and you got a couple of good concerts matched up in here as well and it all happens right before the calgary stampede just talk about the event and kind of how it came to be and uh and just tell, tell us about it a bit
2: yeah jackson and me just uh jackson kind of Lori, bra- right yeah, that's right we just brainstormed this idea <clears throat> jackson's got a background with the bronc ride and i got one with the and so we're gonna have uh basically a team roping on the on a turf field at Rocky Mountain show jumping. Um there'd be a real neat little venue for for this deal. Uh the day before Calgary starts, um the top 12 guys from the roping are going to come back to the short round run in conjunction with the bronc riding. Uh we got 10,000 added for both events, the roping and the bronc riding. And they're going to be followed uh, by Buck and Horse Moon and uh, Kenny Fielder concert.
0: Is this uh, is this the first time Kenny Fielder's probably been been up this way? I've never heard of him having a show up here before.
2: From what I've seen from his social media stuff, yeah, that's that's what he's saying. So,
0: and it's kind of yeah. fitting. He's got a song called <laughs> Cowboy Shit too.
2: You bet. Yeah, it'll be good.
0: <laughs> How'd you guys pick uh, pick them and Buck and Horse Moon? Buck and Horse Moon fits. They've been into a lot of these. Uh, shows in the area, but uh, but Kenny Fielder is t- totally off the map, kind of for what we've been used to around here, honestly.
2: Yeah, and that that was more Jackson's uh, deal, just getting the bands and all that stuff lined up. I didn't have much to do with that side of things, but Jack there <coughs> went and got them guys. So,
0: so ten thousand added. Uh, it's capped at one hundred fifty teams. So entries are still open. Um, again, the events on July sixth in Dewinton, Alberta. Uh, mm-hmm. we got. So it's capped at 150 teams So 10,000 added fees are 200 bucks a man. Um the first ones paid up or entered first, they can call their entries to to where? Tell us where they work the first hey. There'll be a week left.
2: Yeah, right here, I'll...
0: Yeah, no worries. Yeah. The phone number is uh I can put the phone number here. 403-336-4049. Yeah.
2: That's right. Yeah, okay. you just call and she she'd like you to be texting them in um, okay, but
0: yeah, no worries. Um. Okay, so the format's two head progressive after one average paid on two top twelve back to short round for for so oh so all the money's in the short round, eh? Winner take off well, Wait, no, so uh, how's it going?
2: So this, so this is how this is gonna work. Is yeah. it's progressive after one? So it's a two header. uh If you miss your first one, you're out. But if you carry on, we're gonna pay a two head average. So the average is gonna be paid on the two steers before the short round. All that money, eighty percent payback of that is all in the pot with the entry fees. The short round, the top 12 come back to the short round, and for the short round, it's going to be all the added money, $10,000 right there, $5,000 a man paid for first. So it's a one-header, winner-take-all in the short round.
0: Oh, that's cool! A cool idea. Yeah. yeah. You bet. And then on the bronc riding side, you said you got 12 bronc riders? Who who are some of the guys you got coming to the event?
2: Uh, I know Leighton Green's coming. Um, just right a on. second. here. I'm gonna pick this list up. And... Oh yeah. Um. So what we got? We got Leighton Green, Sam Kelts, Kalmar, Dawson Dom, Mick Knight, Sam Weston, Lachlan Miller, Chance Barris, Hunter Solly, Chase Weifel, Lane Watt, and Lucas Moxa. It's
0: a heck of a lineup. You've got a
2: yeah. You got hell
0: hell of a lineup. What What about Buckinghorses? Who you got coming that way?
2: Ah, uh, Richards is bringing them. So
0: uh, Billy and uh, yep, and the crew. Yep, right on, right yep. on. They used to have a bronc riding kind of maturity thing during the Stampede and Cochran back in the day. Jimmy and okay. Billy and the crew. I did that, I think. But um, yeah. anyways, tickets uh, include the entrance into the into the event. Um, you got local vendors as well. What's the story with the local vendors?
2: Yeah, uh, that, again, that's that's Jackson's deal. But there's going to okay. be set up there of, of just different folks sponsors and stuff like that going yeah. to have little vendor booths there and yeah it'll be be a neat deal for sure
0: and it's not just one concert but two uh, tickets are 50 bucks a person kids 10 and under are free you can buy tickets on the website rockymountaindays.ca um yep. i'm thinking you've got a couple of great sponsors here anybody you want to want to thank in particular just brown beer
2: brown yeah. beer a real good one there awesome. for us, and uh yeah they, they've kind of been one of the bigger ones for sure
0: well awesome well we'll make sure we uh i'll uh, i'll get your address after this and make sure we send you some of our stuff it sounds pretty fitting for an event like this so once yeah. again rocky mountain days is ju- thursday july 6th in dewinton alberta check it out rocky mountain and uh if you have any more questions i'm sure you can get a hold of jackson and, uh, and or Kyle here, and uh, we'll get you what you need. So, hope you have a great event. Hope you can, you uh, bet. hope it goes awesome, Kyle. Thanks for doing this.
2: Yeah, appreciate you, Ted. Thanks for having me on. Mm. When the lights go
0: down, and I'm a rolling stone. When the show leaves town and we put it on the road i got a wander in my And a hand on the wheel People listen to these songs, do you know how I feel? Cause this ain't some rhinestone bed And this ain't some circus show on this pure cow Ancient daddy's rodeo. No it ain't as rodeo. Alright, well this week we are inside the cold garden tap room in Inglewood, just on the edge of Ramsey in Calgary, Alberta, and I'm here with The man who was, uh, he's a co-founder here of Cold Garden. He was also inside Avenue Magazine's Top 40 Under 40 for 2021, Mr. Dan Allard. Dan, thanks for joining us. You did a deep dive. I did some, (laughs) I did a bit of research. A moderate amount. But Dan, thanks for having us. We're uh, about to crack into our first uh, cowboy shit beer, but uh, Uh, courtesy of Cold Garden.
3: Man, thanks for making this. Yeah, it's well, unreal. it's uh, always fun to have a good partner. Let's do the sound of summer here together.
2: Yeah. yeah. All right.
0: Look Ooh, at that. Buddy.
3: Hey, cheers. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Here we go.
0: We're going to do a quick uh, little taste test.
3: Nice. Zero sugar, two carbs, 5%, folks. Two carbs <laughs> is all really? <laughs> Dang. If anyone cared about that. Also, two carbs, highly shotgunable beer. Is that legit? Yeah, legit. Two carbs. Two carbs. How do you manage zero that? Zero sugar. That's the magic trick in it. I mean, the magic trick is keeping it at five percent and having. Really? How do you uh, do that? Ten calories. Oh, hundred sugar. Two carbs.
0: Two carbs. No yeah. way. Because what, so, what's in the average beer for carbs? Lots. Like how many?
3: How many are we talking? <laughs> about? I have no idea. I mean, if you that average is tough. If you took something like our vanilla cappuccino porter, you're way a up more. there. <laughs> yeah, come on. Yeah. More. If you took our blonde <laughs> ale... You'd probably be around like 50 carbs. Really? But, um, yeah, the magic trick with this has to do with using rice hulls, not just all barley. Really? So um, that's a hot tip that um, the bigs aren't all bad. We stole that one from Budweiser.
0: Really? (laughs) Because they do, there's a lot of rice in what they do.
3: There is, yeah, rice hulls. In Budweiser. That's right. Okay, so. So That's why some folks who are of uh, gluten intolerances can drink buds. Really?
0: Huh. No way, because that's not gluten free,
3: but intolerances. It's gluten.
0: It's a little less gluteny, huh? So, okay, so we got a few things we can talk about today, obviously. But yeah. I gotta, I guess we gotta start about. Well, I wanted, to, I gotta ask about the beer, like how you make beer, because I have no idea, and I don't think many people that drink beer probably actually have any idea how it's made.
3: Oh yeah, okay, cool. So, three major components if you include water but that one's usually a given yeah but grain which we're super proud of in alberta of course because we make the best grain in the world here yeah um hops which are typically grown in the pacific northwest you know washington and the yakima valley northwest really? or north um, sorry south in, in in the interior bc like chilliwack area Really. amazing long summers that are really great for growing hops You'll see hop vines growing all over Alberta too. Um, You just don't see a ton of farmers getting into the game because there was never really enough of a value proposition. Not enough breweries were here. So now we're starting to see some more hop farms pop up in Alberta, but it's harder for them than uh, over in BC and northwest US because our summers are a little shorter. Um, Anyway, that's the second main ingredient. And then you've got the secret sauce, which is the yeast. And that's made in proprietary labs all over the world. Really? And, you know, brewers make sugar water. You know, they, they make a beer with the grain and the hops in, the, in what's called the brew house. And then that's about a five hour process for one batch. And we double batch so that we do that back to back and fill up a tank, a fermenter. Now that takes one brew day to brew the, the sugar water. And then when it's in the fermenter, that's when we throw the yeast. Now, the yeast eats the sugars, and that's what creates the alcohol. So that's the chemical reaction that we're looking for is uh, that proprietary lab, they gave us uh, a brick of yeast, and we throw that into the fermenter, and it starts going to work, chewing up all the sugars that are left, and, um, and that creates the alcohol. So that's why generally the drier a beverage the uh, more alcohol content it's going to have. Really? So our cider, um, which we try to having make it. Which right now. Yeah, the cider that Storm loves so much, that thing is called Scrapple because we get our juices from a family orchard in Creston, and the sugar content on every batch of juice we get differs. It's oh, really? It's different. And so our main priority is making it as dry as possible, which means we're trying to eat all the sugars out of that that we can. And as I just mentioned, the more sugars we eat out of that, uh, the more alcohol there's going to be. Huh. Speaking of grain, that sound we're hearing right now, right now they're putting all of our barley casings into a barley crusher. And it's splitting open the shells to expose the sugars that I was just talking about. Really? So hopefully that's an audible instruction. <laughs> but if not, that's what you're hearing, folks. Dang. And
0: previously, you just heard us crack a beer, crack one of our cowboy shit beers. But, uh, man, so they're like, okay, but where does the flavor in the beer come in? Like, what, how, like the different flavors and the different pieces, you, you mentioned the sugar water kind of step one, and then the yeast um, against that, but then when do you get the different flavors in things?
3: Yeah, and that's a pretty it's a good question, and for somebody who doesn't know about beer making, that answer can be true every step along the way. You can derive some flavor from the grain. You can also derive from flavor from the hops and also from the yeast. The grain, as an example, you can get a roasted grain. Uh, so in our vanilla cappuccino porter, you're going to see that beer is really dark. The reason it's really dark is because we actually use roasted grain in that and um and then of course with that you get like a toasty a toasty um, caramel flavors caramelly appeal to it on the palate the hops is where you're going to get your bitterness now generally bitterness is kind of your your like ibus your international bitterness unit generally the more hops you add the more bitter your beer is going to be so your ipas yeah your pale ales but this um, one
0: would be really low on the IBU scale. Exactly,
3: yeah. Cowboy ship beer is going to be super low on, on the hops, but there are still hops in there. Now, you can dive deeper into the hops, and you get ones that have more citrusy flavor to it. Oh, it's um, variation of hops. Yeah, <laughs> lots of variations of hops. And same thing like with the grain. The grain you're going to impart a lot of color on your beer is going to be derived from the grain that you use, unless you're using fruit adjuncts and stuff like that. But with the classic beer with those four ingredients... We're talking about color coming from the grain and the sugars, of course. Uh, we're talking about bitterness coming from the hops. And then we're talking about yeast. That's going to be the 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 that's the driving force that's going to eat those sugars and create the alcohol. Huh. So that's where you can get something. Again, you can dive deeper into all those things without getting too sciencey here. But a Belle Saison yeast is going to have like a tangy appeal to it and have some cloves like a banana clove um, flavor to it. So among all those things, grain, hops, and yeast, you can have flavor imparted from all those different strains. Huh. Dang. But that's why the brewers are so good at what they do. You know, they're they're literal chefs back there and scientists, and, yeah, uh, and it can get very granular. Chemists. Yep. Dang. Um, so what what all goes into this beer? So cowboy ship beer is... Um, you know, I mean, I don't have the brew sheet in front of me. It's a bit of a secret sauce there, but this doesn't have any additive, any adjuncts like fruit or anything like that. Yeah. Water, grain, hops, and yeast. Huh. Very small amount of hops, and uh, and then rice hulls as well. So that's. Um, what what is
0: a rice hull exactly? I don't know that term.
3: Um, it's like we got twenty-five kilogram bags of grain over there. You can get 25-kilogram bags of rice hulls. And part of the reason Budweiser's figured out a a plan to use rice hulls is because it's a cheaper grain. Um, I don't think they were thinking about calories when they originally created the Budweiser recipe, Um, but it's a a more readily available grain for a global production scale like Budweiser. Um, But also it just so happens that uh, for those that are interested in a keto type of diet... It also hits that
0: it also hits really? that target dang okay um, so we got we gotta we', gotta, we were talking about our what the cowboy should be the collaboration we're working on this month and we did uh, uh, 2500 cans is that right is that what our initial
3: kind of canning was I can't remember off the top of my head but it was either 2500 or three thousand 3, 3, something 000? like that okay so there's a very limited quantity. Yeah, limited quantity, yeah. yeah. We're hoping they last us till Stampede. but That's about it, yeah. I, we're yeah, going to hang on will. to them for sure. <laughs> we'll hang on to them, you know, just to make sure we've got some during, during the big show. Well,
0: and, like, I know I've already been through at least 42 at my house, maybe more. Storm brought more for this, but, like, I haven't drank all those myself, but we had them. Uh, Storm picked them up before I went to Rocky Mountain House last week, so I took them to the rodeo, and we were doing a bunch of t- testing there, and I showed them to everybody, and I was like, hey, check this out. And Then people were all driving home, they were all leaving, and everybody was uh, like on their way back, and they all drove right by where we were hanging out because we had to wait for the wagons. Okay. So a bunch of the rodeo guys, I was like, "Oh, here, try this out," and I gave them two cans of beer, like two cans. And I was like, "Here, take these home and try them when you get back. Like, let me know what you think." So I gave like a, a couple away to different people yeah. that I know that I know in the rodeo world. So it's like, "Hey, try them out. Like, we
3: got our beer. Check it out." So everybody yeah. thought that
0: was pretty cool. It was a little bit of a totally parting I gift before they took that. off. So some
3: guerrilla marketing too. A little yeah, Sneak right? peek. Yeah,
0: try this out. Yeah. It's not even uh, public, uh, public in the public domain yet. Not so. yet.
3: Um, but I was
0: talking to, uh, well, we just did a show with Will Osler on um, Monday. And so Will's the president chairman of the board of the Calgary Stampede. Yeah. And Will, uh, we were talking about the beer. He's like, oh, you got the beer because I made sure to give Will some too, right? And nice. And he got some to, to Hugh, his son as well. Yeah, nice. And then, and then Hugh got home that night. He's like, oh, these beers are going to make it like one day. I'm going to drink them all tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Not sharing at all. So, so he liked them. And uh, then I took him to the golf course today. We had one this morning at the golf course at like 10 a.m. Nice. with my buddies trevor <laughs> trevor and uh jay so uh showed those guys the beer too but uh but how did we come how do we get this deal done to make the beer i don't really remember how it all happened but i like i've known you since I, when i worked at smithbilt just across the parking lot uh and smithbilt used to be in the old building next to us where old beautiful is now too but i knew, knew from them but i think we just got talking to the Tarbox and did we not and we were just like hey let's try this out or when did we start this I don't remember. I don't know how I, it happened.
3: I know. I don't honestly know, but you know, it might have been at. Uh, it Also, could have been no. That was when we revisited it. Maybe it was the tarp auctions. I thought it was before that because we also chatted about it at Brian Hansen's... Uh, party. Uh, party there at his place, and
0: that was like Christmas or winter yeah, time, wasn't it? That was, that it? was uh, before the tarp before, auction, and that was before Christmas. So we wasn't were. It? I don't
3: know. We were. We were brainstorming. We talked about it a few times. We were brainstorming it, but it came yeah. about because. We do private labels for big big, you know, big companies like Canadian Tire. We did a Sherwood Hockey label beer for them. Um, there's like a pretty specific business model that we do for private labels. But there's also one that we like to do for companies that are aligned with us that we know it's going to be like a fun project. You know, we don't like break the bank on volume, which is why this is a lower volume yeah, yeah. thing, but uh, yeah, it honestly came about because you we were like Probably a couple of whiskeys deep at Brian's party. Very well. (laughs) And then it was like, well, let's, uh, you know, make a beer together. You're going on the circuit. We love doing this stuff. And let's launch it right before Stampede because we can. (laughs) Yeah, why not? Yeah, exactly. Um, So tell me more about this beer.
0: So it's a a blonde ale?
3: Yeah. Yeah, technically speaking, it's a blonde ale. Yeah. Yeah. It's mistook, it's mistook a lot for a lager, but it's actually not a lager. It's a blonde really? ale, but it's a clean, crisp boy. What makes the difference between a blonde ale and a lager? About, uh, to put it simply, about 10 to 15 days longer in a conditioning tank. Really? Just sitting and conditioning. Yeah, the lager the, is. The lager is. Yeah.
0: So this one's a shorter brew time, the blonde yeah. ale.
3: The brew time's the same, but the time that it sits in the big silver vessels, that's... uh Really?
2: Yeah, that's, that's a lot
3: longer for a logger, which is oh, why really? you don't see many microbreweries doing loggers. Really, it takes twice the amount of time to kick one out. Yeah. So,
0: how much finished product do you guys have here? Like, and how, and how much are you spitting out? Like, every couple days, or like, what's I feel like store? you're casing the place now? I'm just curious. You know, let me chuck th- back. I don't know, up know, at 5 I don't know AM. if it's, uh, <laughs> I don't know if it's your, uh, if it's proprietary <laughs> info too. Like, no, it's. I don't, not. I don't
3: know. Yeah, it's it's an open book. We actually report them, and the whole industry shares that information because we're all trying to grow together you know it's the most yeah. co- collaborative industry i've ever even heard of and so um so anyway to answer your question we go through our facility here about 125 kegs a week and um and that uh, varies greatly between winter and summer you know right now we're in the our peak season and the tap room will crank about 125 kegs a week on average wow sometimes more sometimes less that's how many, that's how many cans of beer you're brewing every week um, I mean, that's how much we sell through the doors here. Oh shoot! Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, our production, our annual production is thirty about thirty five hundred hectoliters a year. So that's um, I'd have to whip out my calculator, but those at home, if they really give a shit, they can do it. Yeah, yeah.
0: Fair. <laughs> I don't even know what a hectoliter technically uh, so, might yeah,
3: be. He- one hectoliter is a hundred liters. Oh, okay, gotcha. So okay. thirty five hundred hectoliters. <laughs> yeah.
0: So three hundred fifty thousand liters.
3: Something like that. Yeah, you know, we might have a zero Maybe. off there, but might, yeah. we're
0: close. See <laughs> the 350 or three point five million. Yeah, but it shouldn't be a million because, anyways, but anyways, yeah,
3: anyways. So yeah, lots of volume coming through this tiny little facility. Yeah, and ninety percent of it goes through the tap room. The other ten percent goes to about a hundred accounts outside the door. Yeah, between bars and liquor stores and restaurants. Yeah, we're well, a very tap room focused environment, and our next logical step is a production facility that we can. Brew more beer at, and, and yeah. then grow that side of the business, the logistics side,
0: the like the wholesale side, essentially, right? Exactly. Yeah, so you can have it in more stores, more restaurants on tap, more uh, yeah, more uh, liquor stores, so people can access more readily rather rather than ninety percent going through the doors right here, right now. Totally, it's oh. the
3: only scalable side of the business that you can yeah that you can do with uh, you know. It's not the only scalable side. You could we could definitely open up a bunch of cold gardens across the country, you know. And yeah, uh, but in terms of uh, yeah distribution, it's the only scalable side of the business is getting a production facility and getting it on the the, shel- the shelves at the liquor stores and, and the restaurants and bars and and that's a very that's a tough market. A lot harder than doing the tap room. Uh, obviously, a much much higher margin here in the tap room um, than you know having the sales then having oh. going through sales team your DTC that here. You got it. That yeah, we're straight sense. from yeah. factory to mouth here, you and know what I mean? There's no transport. Um, <laughs> only, only walking it across the floor to the... To the uh. We don't even need to. The cold room is back there, and we have yeah. a, a 90-foot flooded trunk line that keeps the beer at 2 degrees Celsius from the time it's in the tank, kegged into a keg, put into the cold room, and into your mouth, into your glass over here. So no way. it's as direct as it can get. Wow. And so, Wick, with this beer, it'll be all gone by July...
0: And it was canned, like, last week, so it's extremely fresh. Like, you're getting about as fresh a beer as you can drink. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. There's no yeah. preservatives or nothing. It's just straight No throughout.
3: preservatives. That, no, that's... In fact, we need a tight timeline on our stuff because we don't have preservatives in it. Yeah. Otherwise, you get spoiled beer, which you don't want. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, we don't... Uh, so, once you get your cowboy shit beer, you got to drink it immediately. That's right. Yeah, yeah. It's a very... As I mentioned, it's very shotgunnable beer, so get your yeah. keys out. <laughs> Man, have you heard about
0: shotgun mulligans on the golf course yet? Oh, I do Did need to hear more about this. No, <laughs> so I saw this video the other day, and it's one of the fun uh, golf guys on Twitter yeah. or on Instagram, like the Country Club Jason or something like that. And they got these things called shotgun mulligans. Okay. And uh, I think I told Dustin about it already too. But like, you can have a set amount of shotgun mulligans, but you have to shotgun a beer for your mul- like before you take the ne- next swing at the golf course. Okay. And you can have three or four. Or, like, maybe it's half a dozen for the game or whatever it is. Yeah. But well, you got a shotgun to shotgun the be beer there, but you might give up more strokes later on because you might be effed up. Of
3: course. Right? I love that. You get banged up having all these shotgun mulligans and you might have a better shot. Yeah. But I was going to say, if you're like me, the more lit you get, the better your shot. You <laughs> might play good, right?
0: Ah. Uh, but yeah, they were saying that they had this, like, they were on, like, 17 and the guy had, like, three shotgun mulligans left. So he screwed up a shot. Shotgun a beer, screwed up a shot, shotgun a beer, and like <laughs> did
3: like three at once. Oh. And your belly's all full of beer, and it's like, whew. So, <laughs> I like that. I'm 100% going to implement that into yeah, my games. I thought it was a fun Every one. Every game. <laughs> so, um, we'll probably do one of those with these at some point. I got another golf game tomorrow I got to get to, so... Yeah, there's match. a perfect spot here, right on the horse's butt. That's where we can put our put our keyhole. Yeah, that's <laughs> the spot. That <laughs> almost, it's almost by design. I think I'm not sure if Storm thought that thought about that, but uh. she must have. It's probably in the designs. <laughs> um,
0: okay, so let's go back. We, we talked about the beer, talked about the brewing process. Um, let's talk about here and how this came to be. I don't, I don't know that whole story I'm you've told Cole it probably, probably a thousand times but yeah but no. tell me the story of Blake being the, and you guys building this place like tell that story for
3: us sure yeah yeah the Cole's notes are that him and I went to college together here at the University of Calgary and I was the guy ho- holding you know two three hundred person house parties and he started brewing beer in his garage we went to, uh, to music festivals together you know late night parties and and uh, always had, like, a fondness for his product. He, you know, he, it was uh, at times absolutely brutal. But uh, it was really awesome to just see somebody, like, take a craft on, you know. And this was well before the rules changed in Alberta. So we really got along. And, um, uh, and then the rules changed about four years after we had both graduated from college. And we were, again, at like... When you a, say
0: the rules changed, they opened up the craft
3: beer market for Alberta. Yeah, totally. it was totally locked down before. Yeah. For those that were, might not know. Right across the country, you know, when the, when there was, you know, three families that owned all the breweries across Canada, um, there was all of these ridiculous rules that were implemented so that there was barriers to entry into the market, right? So in Alberta, we had this rule where you had to prove you could do a, a factory that could produce 20,000 hectolitres a year to get a license to brew. So very cost prohibitive, obviously, and um, uh, and as I mentioned earlier, like, we're cranking beer out of here. Anybody with a brand that's of our size and scale is still a microbrewery, but um, we're putting volume out there, and it's only 3500 <laughs> you know what I mean? So very cost prohibitive and a barrier for a lot of entrepreneurs, so they changed that rule. Um, I think officially it was 2013, but it took a while for all the business plans to get together, people to get the the balls to get a to get a partnership going and then you saw this herculean rise and craft breweries in 2015 and we were a part of that wave so yeah it was around 2014 that blake tapped me on the shoulder probably at 4 a.m at a weird party and was like yo you want to do this next that was coming off of a commercial real estate project and and uh immediately jumped at it you know probably a little bit too blindly but i've had hosting in my dna since i was a kid and uh And Blake had a, you know, it's it's been in his DNA to make this craft better and better. So to me, it was a no-brainer. So, yeah, 2015, we started working on it. Business plan, located this building. We wanted to be in this derelict neighborhood, which was Inglewood, kind of stabby at the time. (laughs) Yeah, just a bit. (laughs) It was surrounded by (laughs) tents and needles around our building, and we fell in love with it. And um, we moved in officially and opened our doors in the January of 2017. But it took us a year to just tear out all the old This was an old welding shop, tear out all the old welding stuff, and uh, change. we had to change by, bylaws in Calgary to make uh, it possible for us to have no separation between the tanks and the public area. So all those things were really important to us because we built this model on seeing stuff all around the world that was chill. It was like dogs are allowed inside these places in Europe, no separation in places in Latin America, and we wanted to combine all those things into Calgary, into something in Calgary. And with our love of DIY stuff, I love building things, and and uh, it just made sense. The timing was right. If anybody remembers 2015, there was a big oil crash at that time, so the government had uh, the fire lit under their ass for job creation, and here, here comes this, like, breweries, you know, and, and so they really let us do whatever we wanted. We pressured them under the guise of job creation, and it actually worked. We, we created a lot of industrial jobs, and, um, and yeah, we got away with changing some bylaws because of that timing with the oil crash and that recession
0: and some of those bylaws being the park kind of in the across the street that was one of them uh, and then but then having the having the dogs allowed in the in yeah. a, with a and you're dealing with ahs where you can't like part of it's the food service industry right like what it, like talk about that a little bit on what the rules were in it and yeah. you're fighting bureaucrats too like it's it's not a, a
3: very a battle you you win very often, likely. Yeah, and what I've found is that, and and maybe this wasn't true before our generation, but definitely our generation, they're still dealing with the old bureaucratic red tape rules of acts that were in legislation that was made decades ago, but the individual people that are executing and enabling these things, they're actually they would love to see change. They just need somebody to take action and want to push the envelope. So what we found was actually the AGLC and the province of Alberta were super open to us changing the rules. The City of Calgary and the code compliance folks coming through the brewery facilities and being like, actually these aren't pressure vessels, there aren't flammable liquids here. They thought there were before, which was the reason for the fire separation. Oh, really? And it was really just about educating them and I mean, they're the most educated folks here, but helping them understand what our brewing process is like. Yeah, yeah. And same thing was true with the dogs. You know, that one was a little bit more of a... Because of the new bylaw, Alberta Health Services actually didn't do their inspection when we opened because they just thought we were a factory. So they waived their inspection not knowing we had this big occupant load tap room. And I didn't know what to do with that, but I had my dogs coming in with me when I was swinging a hammer building this stuff. Yeah. And... Like, lo and behold, I just let my dogs keep coming in. And so after about three months of that, we got really popular, and we didn't really expect it to be that popular at that time. And a competitor had complained about our dog policy, (laughs) which ended up working against them because we got got to the front page of every newspaper. It even got national attention, (laughs) you know, with the worst headlines, like a dog day at Cold Garden and no more hair of the dog at Cold Garden. And so... Same thing applied, though. In the media, they portrayed it like this big David and Goliath perspective of small business versus big AHS, Alberta Health Services. Yeah. But in reality, some amazing people behind the scenes there, they're all dog owners. They got it. They're like, yeah, why is this rule to exist? Yeah. And we got to exa- examine that, and it was because when you're doing, they were concerned about food preparation being in the same space as dogs and animals. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's a closed system back there, you know. There's no food preparation back there. So. No. And you guys
0: still don't have... Is it, you still don't have food here? We don't you do food, You order yeah. things in.
3: We let people bring their own food in. We've had folks bring yeah. homemade potlucks on Sundays, like whatever you want, right? That's and fun. Part of that is because totally of Totally unique, dogs. too.
0: Hey? Totally unique. Like, I don't yeah, know well, anywhere else that does that much. We know what we do know. really
3: well, and that's make beer, you yeah. know, and now wine. But what we what? didn't know anything about was, you know, making food and a commercial kitchen and all that. Yeah. And, and from an AGLC's perspective, they just cared about people having access to food. So with the advent of Skip the Dishes and Uber Eats, people can have food here at any time of the day that we're open. Um, and it was honestly just about presenting the information in a way that the people behind the veil could say, oh, yeah, that does make logic sense, you know what I mean? And, and so, yeah, we do it for that, for the dogs, but also because the bars and restaurants around us, you know, Nash, Hosenhound, Dirty Duck, Vegan Street, they all carry our beer. Yeah. And we want to make sure we don't step on their toes too much. True.
0: And it's pretty hard to run a successful restaurant. It seems like there's a lot of folks that, that that's a tough one. I'm amazed. Not yeah. saying that making beers no easy job either, but like there's a lot of restaurants that come and go over the years. I'm
3: amazed at it. You know, they're working with a, a kitchen environment, you know, which is sometimes glorious, sometimes not. The equipment required for that, you know, the front of house staff. Oh yeah. There's a totally different narrative with a restaurant, and it's like got to be one of the most. Co- I've had three different businesses and. Nothing compares to the complexity of a restaurant. <laughs> wow. What, what were the first two besides this one? Oh, going back to my landscaping, baby. My first. Oh, really? My true passion to this day. I love landscaping. And so during really? university, that's what put me through school was really? a landscaping company with a little construction business as a part of it. and Yeah. And then uh, when we graduated, me and my buddy Jesse White ran that together. And uh, we sold that when we graduated and then uh, got into commercial real estate right after that, right after we graduated college. And yeah. Jumped on it with a very small business as a, as a partner, became uh, uh, partnered with Karen Berry. She with Barry Commercial Real Estate, and she focused on mid-market stuff. And I walked in with a lens on marketing and um, cash flow analysis with my finance degree and that kind of thing. And she had 30 years experience out of Toronto and the client book that you wouldn't believe. And, and so that was a great partnership there. Uh, had a failed attempt at a transloading company when that was all the rage, putting crude to rail. And uh, all these transloading facilities around southern Alberta and southern Saskatchewan, and uh, we did a good. We had a good run at that. And the, the, the fall that we were about to launch it, secured all these contracts with small towns that had old grain elevator sites that were decommissioned. So they had the rail siding, and enough run for about four to eight rail cars to just post up there that would normally be for grain loading. We were going to repurpose those sites for loading oil. And uh trucking as far. Exactly. And we thought that was a brilliant plan, and at the time it was, but then that horrific accident in Quebec happened. Oh, yeah. Black McAntique, where a crude rail car went back into town, and disaster, fire. And so they changed all the rules, and you needed a lot more siding now. You needed more like 16 rails of si- cars of siding of capacity. So then it eliminated that whole model. Um Dang. So anyway, and then, and, then, uh, and then this. Right on. And then... Uh I remember reading
0: up on a couple things, and uh, one of the next things is Cold Garden 2.0. One of the oh, oh, someday, oh. right? So, and you and I talked about this somewhere, where you talked about Nosara, Costa Rica. Oh yeah. And you want to do another Cold Garden someday? Maybe I wasn't supposed to give away the location, but
3: oh uh, yeah. Again, there's no, there's no idea that's that special you can't share it. It, okay. it all comes down to execution, in my opinion, and uh, everybody can have. Uh, everybody can have the same idea in my opinion we can share that with the world nosara is one of the most beautiful places in the world i love that place and it might not be the smartest business decision to throw a brewery down there it probably is the worst business decision but but yeah there's a lifestyle choice there that's somewhere down the line going to happen in a tropical location so blake and i right now for the winters mostly right yeah well
0: pretty tropical in the summer
3: yeah well that's what we're trying to do here (laughs) except we can only get vinyl plants to represent it (laughs) But um, but yeah, we're, right now we're at that. Like I mentioned before, our next move is we got to have a production facility, and and then, the, and then makes, the
0: wholesale side of the business.
3: Yeah, that's what's needed. So, hey Fern, chill out, boy. Yeah, Fern you can is hear. a wh- he, what kind of a what kind of is Well, an Irish Wolfhound, is that yeah, right? Yeah. So we've got our dog here at our feet in this interview, Fern. and he's an Irish Wolfhound. He is he's gigantic. Almost seven months old, about 120 pounds. And he'll be about 170 pounds when he's done. Holy smokes. But, uh, yeah, he's doing a good boy. He's staying at our feet. Another dog just came in the brewery, and his ears are perked, but he's lying down like a good boy. Real <laughs> good boy. He still looks a little spooky, though. So
0: he is. I've never seen a dog this tall, I don't think.
3: Like, I'm, I'm sorry, like, you never I've seen a dog that big? This tall. That tall, tall, yeah.
0: like I've seen big dogs like the one that just came in, but, like, yeah.
3: He is a tall, tall puppy dog. Yeah. So, Fern, you'll catch him on some of the uh, Cold Garden social media and around the brewery. He's a brewery dog. He'll be there. He'll be here all the time. Awesome. But, yeah, they're tall dogs. They're not thick dogs. They'll be a little bit like your um, teenager that's having a growth spurt. Yeah. Um, Anyhow, yeah, 2.0, it's all over the place. We went to Winnipeg to have a look. Winnipeg is such an amazing city and it's popping off there's like yeah so much activity out there it's less stabby now too it's less stabby but when yeah. the places Still that we went to stabby. look it's very stabby <laughs> <laughs> well uh so
0: canada west boots the boot company i work for they make Brahma boots make canada west they're on fife street so 1255 street is yeah. where where they're at so i don't know what your plan is but if you need any, any winnipeg connections i'll get you hooked up with graham and the crew He's our age, and he's running the boot factory. Nice. And he plays golf uh, west of town. So Okay, nice. He'd be a good guy. to If you're going back, he might might know some spots. We got a little people. bit cold with Winnipeg. Uh, okay, okay. And
3: uh, pun intended too there, stabby. because it was... <laughs> it was um, too wintry, too if cold. If we were going to put the energy in... There's only two of us here, and yeah. if we were going to put the energy into a new facility, um, you know, my heart lies somewhere tropical for a taproom-focused thing, and our logic lies in, in my opinion somewhere in the foothills would be amazing, you know, right here in Alberta, the foothills would be fantastic to have a big production facility out there doubled up with an event space, you know, not a not a taproom open all the time, but uh something like, you that mean, we like can Like do mean like or Banff or what do you
0: or I'm thinking further before the Rockies. Yeah, like oh.
3: yeah, in the foothills as you approach, you know, Cowboy Trail, you know, Highway 22, that kind of thing. Okay. Somewhere along there. Water rights are tough out there, but anybody's oh. listening that's got some land out there, oh, you know, really? we're looking for something out in that neck of the woods. Because you need the water to brew the beer. Is, yeah. Is, is, the beer, is water one of your
0: most expensive
3: input costs? Not most expensive, but, well, not yet. But, but uh, it probably will be at some point. At some point, it's inevitable, right? Oh, wow. Um, Jeez. But it is our biggest component of beer, for sure. Um, absolutely. Yeah. And so... Some businesses have made it make sense by trucking water in, but those are low volume things. Our next yeah. step is uh, making sure that we uh, have a production facility that's capable for us to grow. So we'll see, though. You know, it's we're not. There's only two of us. We don't have a big. In, we don't have any investors. It's uh, you guys did it yourself. You know, and so we and don't how? have any did pressure to grow. It's. Um, did you use your money from the last two businesses, or did you have to get a bank loan? A little bit of both. We a bootstrapped bit of both, yeah. this thing, um, you know. I did and, hear a lot of it yourself. Yeah, and yeah, we bootstrapped it, and we also got uh, for our equipment. We got a uh, the Canadian Business Financing Program at the time because of the recession. Okay. They were giving out three hundred and fifty thousand dollars loans that had to be based on buying equipment. Really? So you use we used that for the equipment, and then the rest of it we bootstrapped. And oh wait bag kick and steal I didn't care where Blake got the money and, uh, and he didn't
0: care where I got the money and rent or lease the building is a lower cost than buying it to begin in the beginning yeah you may have bought it recently or over the years but yeah we were renting cost. at first we yeah. own the
3: site now um, yeah. and uh awesome. and it was um uh yeah at the end of the day yeah it all comes into play but the but rent we couldn't use that loan towards rent it had to be towards equipment towards equipment no yeah. way
0: so you had to you had to pay the rent with your beer
3: sales yeah, there were some dicey money. moments, and it was yeah, my yeah. house on the line. I had, uh, yeah. I just finished. Holy. and I plowed all my savings from commercial real estate into a house in this business. Wow. And uh, and the bank said, "Well, you better throw your house on the line for this loan because you got nothing else." Holy <laughs> shit. And uh, so yeah, it's so it's, um, it's yeah, it was survivor fun. survivor die at that point. Yeah, though. and there was at no point though we, did we think of it as a risk. It was, um, yeah, come from a family that came from nothing, and it was like at the end of the day, I know how to live poor.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Fair. Jeez, which is uh, honestly a kind of what's well, well, number one thrifty. Like you got to, but you know how to get by. You know, and you know what hard work is too, right?
3: Yeah, and I and I can't say that I I know necessarily how to get by because my parents were the ones having to deal with the finances when we grew up.
0: Yeah, fair. But
3: I know what it felt like, and to me, I had a great childhood, you know, and and uh, you know, I had a really great experience with my pops when I was younger. And his community out uh, in Winnipeg, outside of Winnipeg, in the bush there, they they hunted for a living. And so I snared my first rabbit when I was a kid, and no way. that really, like, set the tone for me. I was like, at the end <laughs> of the day, there's a lot of fat rabbits in Calgary. I know I could go skin a rabbit and have a meal. <laughs>
0: <laughs> if you really have to. Yeah. You got some, uh, there'd be some coyotes around back here, too, once in a while, wouldn't oh, there? Oh,
3: absolutely, man. Yeah, yeah. We've had coyotes out here. On State the State Park line, over hey? there. Yeah. They'll come right into town. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: We saw some, one was uh, dropping a deuce on the cart path today at the golf course this morning. <laughs>
3: nice. <laughs> that was
0: pretty good. <laughs> Coyote. Uh, oh, man. Okay, so there's uh, another piece here is the community side of things. And we kind of to touched on a little bit of the uh, the AHS side of things and, and the uh, allowing the dogs in here and having some of the bylaws changed that way. But talk about the community side of things and shutting down Ninth Avenue, like, it's a pretty major uh, thoroughfare in this part of town. But that part of it, building the park across the street, um, part of the, you being on the Inglewood BIA, like talk about sure. that a little bit. I want to just kind of um, talk on the community side of things because it's it's an important part of what you're doing here. You're brewing beer for the community, in the community, and without the people that come to support the business, you wouldn't have it. So Yeah,
3: totally. Yeah, it really is just like... In the whole life cycle of of a dollar bill, it really is in one pocket, you know, out of one pocket and in the other for a whole community. And what I mean by that is when we opened our doors in 2017, this place, it, it still looks like a junkyard, but it looked like an absolute junkyard before. I'm amazed looking back at those photos that people were excited about this place and they came in in droves to support us. And... And that was super inspiring. We always knew we wanted to be community-centric and a community hub. But we also know that takes money, you know, to really have an impact. We can have boots on the ground, help with river cleanups and things like that. But we wanted to do as much as we could for the community. And 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 if not for them stepping up to begin with to start that relationship off on the right foot, we wouldn't have been able to do stuff like that. So. You know, yeah, we built a park across the street with some of our profits because it made sense. You know, there was a gopher field before. It was trash. <laughs> In the same way that this building had tents around it, you know, Brian has, and I remember him telling me when Smith built was across uh, our building neighbor there, um, you know, there was a lady named Sally across the street that would disappear any time a truck would show up and come out and brush her teeth behind the tree, you know? Like, that's what that field was. And to be able to... Uh, put a basketball court there and a mini ramp for skateboarders and a, like a table with chessboards on it and like that means the world to to us to be able to give back to the community that literally got us off the ground with this dumbass idea and uh and then so beyond that we uh, we try to give back wherever we can at the university of calgary we're helping out student projects every single semester whether it be nba capstone projects you know or right down to undergrad projects uh we're trying to help people just network um and I'm going to MC the convocation right away, you know and we do that stuff for free. And uh, it's all about, you know, as, as I say, like that dollar bill travels back and forth so many times, which is what makes supporting local so important because when it goes to a big conglomerate, it gets pulled out of the community, that dollar bill. And when it's in here, it's got, I think the stat that I learned was it's got 10x the hands that a dollar bill goes through through hands in the community when it's spent really? locally. And so, yeah, it goes right down to, yeah, I'm I'm the chair of the Inglewood BIA here in the neighborhood, and that's the community association, basically, it's the version that represents the businesses. Um, And it's just about driving as many eyes to the community as possible. And and Ninth Avenue, like you mentioned, we've got no problem locking that up to have a horse drawn carriage go up and down the street, you know, just for shits and giggles, because we know it's going to get airtime, we know it's going to be fun, and we know it's going to... Brand, Inglewood, is like a place that 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 cool stuff happens, you know. It's not always about efficient vehicle use, you know. It's like, what are we doing that's cool, that's going to keep attracting people to our neighborhood? And all of those little community pieces have a big impact with our patrons. And we don't, it's not tangible. There's no like, oh, we do X and we get Y. We just know that part of our underlying narrative is making sure that we're doing whatever we can to build this community up to the, the highest standard it can be. Because we live in it and we work in it, and all of our friends are going to be here, and our patrons become our friends, and yeah, as I say, your dollar bills go from pocket to pocket.
0: The uh, you mentioned well, there's a couple things to get to here still, but you mentioned wine. You just started brewing wine. What's the what's the story there? And, and yeah, how do you give up beer capacity to make wine, or or are you?
3: Well, with a with a with a business partnership, as I'm sure you can resonate with, um, every everyone holds their own hammer, right? So Blake and I this partnership works amazingly because he holds a hammer on the production side and I hold the hammer on the rest. And he knows that what I want to do, if I've got a weird idea that I, he might not agree with at the end of the day, he's got faith that I'll execute it properly. And if Blake wants to run with whatever he's passionate about, I'm all for it. The man knows how to research and, and he knows how to tap on the right shoulders to learn. And I'm really excited about it. His latest passion is wine. So during the pandemic, we had excess tank space because, obviously, volume wasn't coming through the way it used to. And uh, we took that time to make a, a sparkling white wine. We called it the Laughing Loon as an homage to Baby Duck, for those who know it. <laughs> and uh, and it turned out being a pretty good wine because the Dean House was serving it on Oyster Night. and It was one of their best-selling wines on Oyster no Night way. at the Dean House. So, so that, one's go, that one's gone now. We did not expect that it was going to go over well. Really? But people started asking more for it, and so... My favorite wine, you know, and uh, I'm proud to say it, is a rosé. And so Blake's now, he's got a rosé in the tank. Really? And that was and a surprise to me. I the didn't timing's a little bit longer on wine, is it not? Wine's going to be a lot longer, yeah, yeah. Totally. So I don't even know the answer to that because that's how new this project is. But I know the rosé's been sitting in there for months.
0: Really? Um, how, do you, how do you sacrifice that space when you're trying to make a bunch of beer?
3: Yeah, with great difficulty, you know. But yeah again, we never got into this business because of the dollars and cents. We never got into it for money. We got into it to explore things, have fun with it. Um, There's a, there's a coincidentally a business proposition in that, in that, you know, beer on mass globally is in a decline. And so, yeah, you got to start exploring other narratives, other things. And so there's, You know, our number one selling thing is the Inglewood iced tea. It's a vodka beverage.
0: It's so good, too. And, uh, (laughs) you know,
3: high-quality tea from the tea trader down the road, literally brewing a massive kettle of tea and then putting neutral grain spirit in it. That's what we do for that. And so um, different than beer, though. And then, yeah, we're just trying to expand our product line. And I don't really care what direction Blake goes with it. I know at the end of the day it's going to be good. And, and, uh, yeah, let him run with it because... At the end of the day, you got to be passionate about what you're doing, and and uh, that's why I don't I don't I don't put my toes into his business because I know it'll turn out good if he's interested in it. Huh. Man, but yeah, so- next up's a rose wine, and I cannot wait. And it's oh, gonna yeah. get weird too. We just got like. An impulse buy on a 7-Eleven grade slushy machine, and we're gonna make rosé slushies. Really? (laughs) It's gonna be, it's gonna be awesome. What's the expectation? What's the expected release date on that? Do you know? I don't know, to be honest. I'm, I'm hoping in time for Stampede. Wow. And I think that we'll be close to that date. Really. Um, We do talk about these things, but honestly, that we talk about a lot of things, and that that uh, that packaging dates just escaped me right now. But I know it's gonna be around. Uh, stampede time. Dang, that's fun. Oh, okay. the disco balls. What's the deal with all these? <laughs> oh, yeah. With all these guys. Yeah, the hanging ornaments. So yeah, one rep- one represents every year that we've been around. So the first beer fest we were at is our pineapple, the hanging disco pineapple, and then so yeah, all around it's the not room. Not upside we've
0: got down though. It's the right side up. So.
3: Yeah, no, that's right side <laughs> up. Yeah, that's right side <laughs> up. Uh, did I say upside down? No, no. no, no. <laughs> yeah, anyway, that's uh, the point yeah, They're all about, you know, describing them out. They're about five feet um, in height or width, uh, sometimes both. And so they're big, and they're all um, glued with these one-inch by one-inch glass-colored tiles. Jeez. And so we unveil a new one at every year's beer fest. Wow. Canada's largest beer fest is here in Calgary every May. The ABF crew puts it on, and we hang one of these babies from the center of the BMO Center ceiling. No way. And we have a big drop cloth there, and the crowd gets there, and we drop it at 7 o'clock on the Friday night. <laughs> and, you know, the confetti cannons go, and the balloon oh, really? drop, and the whole shebang, you know. And, and so this year, the the uh, new unveiling was this uh, this uh, oyster with a pearl in it. Um <laughs> And so, yeah, we'll be working on a new one every single year. So,
0: uh, Storm has a suggestion for your next one. Uh huh. Do you want to make any guesses? Yeah,
3: we're open to suggestions. So,
0: pardon? We're gonna, so you <laughs> wants to start a, a
3: petition. <laughs> so, Storm thinks it should be a cowboy boot. A cowboy boot? Yeah, a boot. Okay, all right, yeah. good. I think we'll, I like that. We'll, or a pull, a, it, we'll pull it, we'll, we'll put it hat. to the meeting when it comes up. Or a hat would be cool too.
0: Or a buckle? Could you imagine a cold garden belt buckle? blingy whatever that thing is disco ball a, a buffalo cut? no a buckle like a belt oh, buckle. A buckle
3: yeah like a belt buckle i mean anything's limit. Cool we've got too. a sun a pineapple an oyster right in front of us those are not yeah. correlated whatsoever and is this the moon yeah there's a moon over there there's a pink flamingo oh, over and there and there's over there. a gnome over here <laughs> you know we've had we we love the suggestions keep them coming because the yeah you never know where it's gonna land and and uh, that was a passion project that Blake wanted to start in year one, and then in year two we were like, "Sorry, Blake, but it's a hit. You gotta keep doing it." Yeah. <laughs> and so. What's the base of them? What are they? Their core is styrofoam, structural styrofoam from oh. Foamworks in town. Okay. And we give them the design. Tess, our graphic designer, does the uh, the design based on an idea we give her, and then Foamworks cuts it out of a CNC and hand carves it. And then we painfully uh, tile those one-inch-by-one-inch the one tiles. There's on hundreds it. of them on each one. Probably thousands is a better yeah. number. And uh, and at the end of the day, it's always Blake there lying on his back, gluing these tiles because everyone gets excited about it to begin with, and the staff yeah. want to help. Yeah. But at the end of the day, that novelty wears <laughs> off real quick, and then it's just Blake in there at the 11th hour trying to glue oh, these man. tiles on. <laughs> Holy. <laughs> yeah. And you get cut up, too. Those things are sharp, man. Yeah, I believe that. Yeah, you need to wear some gloves. Geez,
0: um, what's your favorite cold garden beverage from cold? The garden The red smashed thing? in Buffalo
3: Jump without oh, a really? doubt. Oh, really? Yeah, that's it. That's it's the one. number one on the board when you come in the tap room. Number one in my heart. It's uh, something that's been on the board since day one. I love an Irish red ale, and um, and and I love a malty beer. Okay. I grew up. Uh, the, the the beer that I was drinking in high school was Rickard's Red and it was very different than the beer we drink here really? that that our Red is here um, but I just loved that style of beer it was the beer my dad drank and um, and so it was something that I was just like you know I just finished saying I don't dip my toes too much into Blake's world but this was one beer where I was like Blake you gotta you gotta put some time into this one we yeah, gotta I have a to Malty out. one. And and we, we need that color to be red without doing any color agent. Yeah, we found out later that everybody that gets that color is using a coloring agent. But really, we um yeah this the color that's out of that is imparted by the grain that Blake's uses that Blake's using alone, and uh, yeah it's uh, not the, the one that I drink the most, but it's the one that I like the most. It's your for favorite one, sure really, a very malty red beer. And there's an homage to my heritage there. I'm Métis. I'm Métis jig. I've jigged across the country. Yeah. Um, climax, you know, the climax was probably the Vancouver 2010 Olympics. And, um, and yeah, it was... Bummer, uh, dad's side? Or yeah. Both? Yeah, Which dad one? is Cree. Dad is. Okay. Yeah, mom's Norwegian. I got her hair and my dad's bone structure. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so they named me White Buffalo when I was, like, four years old at a, a powwow in Orillia, Ontario because of my Norwegian blonde bouncing hair when I was jigging. Uh, now it's actually a little more red and brown, but, um, but yeah, White Buffalo was coined as a kid. And, and, um, so anyway, that, that, the name on that board is an homage to the Head Smashed and Buffalo Jump. I want to always, I still jig to this day, for free, whenever anybody asks. Sometimes we get an honorarium or a tobacco pouch or something, but, um, but it's something I want to give back to that community and, and share that, that piece of culture, you know, is a mixing of the heritage um, a very important part of our history and, and, uh, and where we land today. And we're literally at the confluence of the river right here where trading has been happening for centuries, you know, and thousands of years before first contact, you know, quote unquote, before the settlement happened. Yeah. So that beer means so much more than the name for me. It's uh, an homage to head smashed in Buffalo jump, of course, a UNESCO world heritage site. And, uh, and it's a, 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 a nod to my, my nickname and uh, a nod to my favorite beer.
0: What? Uh, I, t- tell me if I'm way off here, if I'm wrong, or what's going on. But what was the like uh, indigenous side of, of beer and beer making, or is it a European thing? Or like, is there is there did did the indigenous folks of Alberta make beer back in the day? Like, I I have no idea about that.
3: Um, there's no heritage piece there that I'm aware of. Yeah, you know, there might have been some entrepreneurial uh, indigenous folks that got involved after. Um, after after it after was introduced, European settlement came. Okay, but uh, yeah, beer. Although arguable, in the regions over east in the eastern parts of the world, yeah, um, in North America, beer wasn't like. A, it's new. In how it's formed today, it wasn't a brewed thing, you know. Yeah. So, um, yeah, what? that there was no derivative from that. We, our first um, heritage moment, so to speak, for our neck of the woods and beer and the way we know how to brew it today is right down the road. This area used to be known as the Brewery Flats. Yeah. Because back in the day, the Calgary Malting and Brewing Company in, 18, in the 1880s started up here, and that was one of the major industries here. That, Rail, and the Northwest Mounted Police were the big industry. And the and the whiskey, right? Like, uh, Alberta Distillers is close by, too? Alberta Distillers. Is that, that was later on, though? Later on, okay. yeah. Okay. Um, but anyway, I mean... Yeah, so Calgary Maltic and Brewing Company, that changed hands a number of times, even through Labatt's hands at some point in Pepsi. Really? Because um, they have water rights right underneath that building. It's crazy. No way. Yeah. Um, and do you guys have any here? We don't have water rights here. We pull no. off the city system. Oh. But they have their own literal, like, aquifer they would pull from water right out of the, right no from way. there. Yeah, totally crazy. So that's why I think perked the years of Pepsi in the 90s. But oh, um wait. I guess. In any case, uh, now that's owned by Matco, and they're about to develop that into a to a, a master plan community. But oh, really? um, so but done, in any case, done as yeah. brewery, like it's no more brewing. no brewery over yeah, there. We looked now. at that site, but uh, yeah, there was a demolition clause, and the rent was not cheap. <laughs> and it's it's too far out in the industrial side of things. Like Inglewood's got more retail
0: close by, right? Like that's kind of out in the industrial a little bit, areas, but it, right? that didn't scare us. It's close no. enough
3: in my mind. I mean, okay. this to be fair was like. As it I mentioned, it was, a, it, was bun, it was a bum it was a bum encampment yeah, yeah, before yeah. you know and, but yeah, Matco's going to do an amazing job uh, building that site out. It'd be great if there was a brewery there someday, but it might not happen. Who knows? Huh. But yeah, to your question, you know, that's something that I would like to research, but I never have. Alcohol has got a a, t- a dicey relationship with the indigenous folks, and including my family, you know, and it's uh, it's uh, nothing to shy away from. It's something that I take to heart in what we're doing here. Um, I'm really proud about what we do, you know, we do tastings and stuff like that. It's about caring about, you know, where's your beer coming from? How is it made? It's not about just like having buying a twenty-four them, yeah. pack for as cheap as you can and, and getting drunk right away. It's it's really more about the craft and like why why am I drinking this thing right now? And it's because it tastes good. You know, you know who makes it, you know what farm you know what farms these other things are coming from, right in our backyard. Um, we're trying to flip the script on that a little bit, but it's a touchy subject. What uh um. How well? How do how do you? What is
0: your relationship like with alcohol? Being somebody that that owns a place that's like this and brews it, and like, how do you stay away from drinking fifteen beers every day and being a wreck? Like, how how do how how do you manage that?
3: Yeah, it's a great question, and it's like, uh, yeah, near and dear to my heart. My 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 family has had uh, problems with alcohol for sure, and um, I don't know exactly why. I know everyone's wired differently, but. I've never had the pull that some people have. And for me, I love the community that beers bring, you know. And there's a reason that they say most deals happen during Stampede. And it's, uh, you know, a lot of that has to do with having beers. And um, there's a it's a tool, you know. It's a tool for community. And the moment that it doesn't become a, a tool for community is the moment that it becomes a problem for yourself and i've never had that addiction piece Uh, i've never felt that addiction piece so i can't really comment on why i've escaped it and i don't want to diminish that and it's important for me to mention that i don't have that addiction piece because the way that i understand it is some people do and their chemical composition in their brain looks at alcohol in a different way Uh, or any drug for that matter you know at the end of the day alcohol is a controlled substance it's a drug you know caffeine you know cannabis every anything right and everybody's wired differently so for me i know that i love having alcohol present when i know it's going to be a tool for having an amazing party yeah you know it's going to like take the edge off of people who would normally be kind of boring and instead you're like oh here's this top class lawyer in the city that's like uh you know normally kind of stuffy you're like oh this person's Taking a, sh- a layer off, you know, and they're like they're actually really sweet, and um, so yeah, there's a bit of a there's a bit of a there's an there's an edge there that uh, I've been able to toe the line on because I don't feel that pull with alcohol. What going back to the
0: indigenous side of things, what were the spirits uh, in their time like 150 years ago, or do, or do you know that side of things? I'm kind of I'm really curious about that now. And like I what, know, yeah, so am so I. You mentioned to be tobacco, honest and-, um, and I know that's been a piece for a long time.
3: I don't know that, but I know part of my my family's heritage was nomadic Cree, yeah. And so, to be able to brew stuff, when you hear about alcohols being brewed down in Latin America, like the Mayans have some stuff that they were doing, and and so there's always an agricultural piece to that because you need to have settled so that you can grow plants and and be in one place. If you're exactly. nomadically, yeah, you're not. Don't and I've never that. looked into that, but that's such an awesome question because. Maybe it wasn't alcohol, but maybe it was something else. You know, there had to have been a maybe thing. Maybe it was
0: kombucha. You kind of something. You know, hey? Maybe it
3: wasn't a beverage. Maybe there was I herbs wonder. of some sort. You know what I mean? Like maybe there. Maybe it was just, just mushrooms. I don't know. Yeah, it could have been mushrooms. <laughs> it could have been like salvia. You know, it yeah. was like who knows, yeah. right? There's, there's uh, a lot of like herbs that grow that have psychedelic properties that might have been made more sense, and it was more about yeah. foraging, as you as you were nomadic. But I know that probably had a big part in it, and I would put money on the fact that. If you weren't staying in one place, you probably didn't have an alcohol um, Yeah, because you, you got to process it. Right. But uh, but what do I know? I'm just guessing there. I would love to research it. Yeah. I wonder. You mentioned because
0: one of the things that uh, I was reading up on said one thing you'd like to know more about is human history, I think, was the quote. Uh, yeah. There's just so many things that we are so long ago and like, how do they build the pyramids? How did they? You know, how, like there's so many things that we don't know that were, that are lost in history.
3: Yeah, and I think the fun part about that is that we just love to discredit our like historical selves. You know, we're like we're like ah, oh, like, they like there's no that. way they could have yeah. built the pyramids on their own. Yeah. They had to have had aliens there, you know. But it's like, you know, actually they're probably pretty pretty smart. You know, like they're probably pretty smart, but somehow those tools and methods just got lost along the way. And uh, and who knows? I mean, I'm not saying there weren't aliens involved, but but I'm just saying that I think a little bit more credit is due. And I just think we've lost a lot of that knowledge. And what I think the fun part is, is as you rediscover some of those things, now we're starting to get into like a big foraging movement where people are starting to understand the properties of psilocybin and how that might be good for people who are um, Uh, depressed, have PTSD and all that. Depression was was one of the studies I read about, too. Sorry,
0: psilocybin and depression. There was like people that were yeah, exactly
3: doing depression and psilocybin yeah, and pretty wild all that stuff, right? And so we're just starting to rediscover stuff that they already knew back in the day. You know, yeah, And we're we've just eliminated it because of like <laughs> you know Nixon's big war on drugs in the sixties. <laughs> it was like, well, yeah. actually, maybe let's explore those a little bit more again and see how we can help ourselves um, without having to rely on the pharmaceutical industry so much. <laughs> what? Uh how much, well, so do you do any of, the, any of the beer brewing
0: ever? Or is your time 100% on this side, like you, like you mentioned? Do you do any of that? Like, breaks Blake's away, do you got to help? Or does he have a kind of a crew that manages it? Like, I wonder what your experience is. Cause yeah. Because remember, we talked before, and there was one time when you, somebody fucked up some beer and you got to pour it out or something. Like, there's been some wrecks different times.
3: There's been about three times now in our history that we've had to dump beer. And... Uh, our latest one was funny, and, and she's learning very quickly, but our latest brewer, Maggie, had one, and I can't blame her entirely. Is she grinding um, the barley up right yeah, now? Yeah, she's running around. She's brewing right now, and uh, yeah. amazing. Uh, one of our bartending staff before just had a really big passion for brewing, started home brewing to prove it. Really? And we had an opening, so we said, come on in, and she's killing it. But, but yeah, I mean, I've had the boots on for sure, but I can't call myself a brewer. When Blake was in the garage and when we were first learning on the system, uh, you know I was there I know how to you know <laughs> turn the valves and put the couplers on and and uh, move the hoses around and dump a bag here and there and but uh, can I make a recipe no you know do I know how to taste something and figure out what's wrong with it to fix it no um, but yeah can I be told what to do back there absolutely you know so I would call myself a good seller hand and uh, I wouldn't call myself a brewer though but uh, but yeah you won't find me back there I make uh, they, they're very good at what they do and the award, the awards on the wall say it. We just got back from Halifax. Another one, yeah, yeah, another one. The Canadian Brewing Awards for our blonde ale, and um, which is what we're drinking here. It's what it's uh, close to what we're drinking. Close same to beer it. style, same style. Okay, yeah, same beer style. So yeah, I, I wouldn't dare step back there because I would just screw something up. But uh, <laughs> in dire straits, I can certainly throw the boots on and help them out. And uh, but that's Blake's department. <laughs> yeah. What's the uh, the best party you've ever had here, and why? Best party? Yeah. That we've ever had, oh man! So
0: far, I wonder. <clears throat> like yeah, did, and did, did they like tear the place up? Like, was it a rack or was it okay? Or I mean, before I we were
3: open, we had some house parties. <laughs> oh, really? I guess warehouse <laughs> parties. You know, just to On like the down we had people volunteering for us. You know, that just wanted to see this thing happen, and got to reward them right. And yep. so, like I said, back in uni, I was the guy throwing big parties, and so two hundred people. Reward. Like, where did you have these two hundred right people here the house in the warehouse? Party? Oh, you had them here, yeah. Oh no, yeah. during college? I can say that college? now that we've got our license. But uh, during college, but, yeah, you did at the t- no, not during college. No, where oh, were your college, college parties? Yeah, at your house. At my house, yeah. Bunga- the, the classic bungalow. I would put up construction fencing between my neighbors' yards in the front, and because I knew it was like I had to respect my neighbors if I was going to do these things. And we'd have the orange fencing up. We'd have people selling sunglasses out there. And, <laughs> a bungalow had a dj upstairs dj downstairs no way yeah <laughs> way That's too insane. many way too many people in the house and spilling out under the yards but oh yeah literally just packing a uh, packing bungalows holy smokes <laughs> on like a on a saturday and this during the school year oh yeah bsd you'd get started you have people flipping crepes there our buddy kevin westergaard would come at 7 a.m and flip crepes and really and we'd have kegs getting tapped at 7 a.m and <laughs> yeah crazy parties but uh One of my favorite festivals we just finished doing the walk-in for is uh, Beakerhead. Yeah. And uh, awesome. That's going to be in September. Really excited about that one. Science and art mashup. And then the Afro-Caribbean Food Festival in East Village. That's another big one that we're a part of. And so now we're trying to bring the party elsewhere and and support those communities around the city. Love that stuff. We do a big volleyball one, six-pack volleyball in, in August. That's a really fun one, getting involved with the volleyball community and... Yeah, there's uh, no shortage of them, and they're all growing every year. Man, I like it. But and the it biggest uh, one's coming up, June 20th, release the yeah, Cowboy yeah. shit. June 22nd. <laughs> <laughs> this is 22nd? It's a 22nd. Thursday. 22nd, Thursday, yeah. It Anyways. happened. <laughs> Anyways. The party was awesome. It was awesome. so good. It was the biggest one yet. It was so good, yeah. <laughs> oh, I wanted to ask about the
0: Avenue thing, but what it meant to you to be in that top 40 under 40 list. It's something that's been on my list for a long time. I want nice to be, be on there. It's nice to be acknowledged, you know. Yeah.
3: It's nice to be acknowledged, um it always feels weird. There's always imposter syndrome no matter what, you know. Like, I feel like uh, whenever you're kind of doing stuff, there's uh, you're always out of your element, but that's the point, you know. Like, always kind of do things, and you always feel out of your element. And, and so, yeah, getting that was a little bit weird. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was you know really who, nice to... Do you know who nominated you for it? Well, Rebecca O'Brien, uh, she's my executive director at the... Inglewood BIA. okay. And she uh has her fingers in a lot of things that I'm never totally aware of. And um just an uh, she is literally the backbone of why Inglewood is as cool as it is. One of those people that you're like, just the little things, you know, like huge vitamin water ad as you enter the neighborhood on the number one mural. She's like, nah, sorry, Coca Cola, that's gotta come down. And instead she found fifty thousand dollars worth of grants that we're working on now, an indigenous art piece that that's an homage to the confluence of the river. It's going to have an AR component to it. Like Really? Amazing. The kind of stuff that these people, wow. these community builders behind the scenes, just, you know, they, uh, they're what drive these communities, and it's people like that that uh, really should be on the front page of those top 40 under 40 covers because there's always people like that behind those folks. Um, your philosophy, philosophy about how everything is possible
0: has kind of been part of making the dogs in here happen, making this happen, having the art on the walls, making beer, selling it. Uh,
3: where does that come from? I, I really, in hindsight, look back to that like skinning the rabbit moment. Oh, really? Truly, yeah. I mean, I my family moved out to Alberta chasing jobs when I was a kid, but a lot of my family on my dad's side stayed out in the bush and uh, lived out in... Um, yeah, my cousins, they, they live off the land, some of them still, and some have moved into the city. And and I just know that there's, like, a big bad world out there, and, you know, we have it so good in Canada, so good. And nowadays, our version of, like, having a fail-safe, being able to skin a rabbit actually means, like, I can go to the, down the street. I've helped a friend go through our, our food security system. And I know there's groups that are just giving free baskets of food to those in need. And I just feel like if you have the will and energy, um, there's literally nothing stopping you. As long as you don't have too much of an ego to know that you might be down the street picking up a food basket if you get hungry. You know what I mean? And those risks, when you start to shed your ego, they seem so easy to take those risks. Because we got nothing but support in Canada. 100% we do. Um, Dan, there's only like
0: one more question I for sure have, and it's a question that we ask everybody on the show. So I got the, I got the burps from the beer here. Ugh. Um, <laughs> uh, what is your definition of cowboy shit, Dan?
3: My definition of cowboy shit is yeah. like, literally, I, I have a picture in my mind and it's, it can be either a bull or a bronc. And it's somebody literally, this is a tough one to pull off, but someone's got to do it in your company at some point, shotgunning a beer on an animal literally while that animal's rearing up. Oh, really? Like, that to me is, like, cowboy shit because it's, um, it's, it's about, like, doing your own thing, not caring what anybody's thinking of you not caring what the narrative is out there in the world about it. You know, it's like literally like I know I'm having fun and I know it's fucking going to look cool. (laughs) Like (laughs) To me, it's like that's the only reason we wanted to be involved with the brand. Yeah. Okay. I like it. I don't know if I can do that. Someone, Uh,
0: you got to find somebody. (laughs) I could like, I could do it. Pardon? Yeah, maybe. I don't know. But the thing with shotgun and beer, you'd probably have to have two hands though. You'd have to be riding no hands. Right?
3: Hey, man, that's your department. Yeah, like, I, just I could see, like, drinking one when I'm <laughs> riding something.
0: I could see that, like, riding a horse and drinking a beer. We used to do that back in the day. You can ride your horse and drink a beer any time. Sure, sure. To have it bucking bit, at the same it's time.
3: It's more than that, though. It it not just riding next level shit. A, it's not just riding a horse, having a beer. That is cool. It is cowboy shit. But to me, there's, like, yeah, there's a little extra there. It's true. Where it's, like, you know, the name, you know, the name. It's, like, yeah, people are, like, oh, they're actually, they don't. They don't really care enough about what other people think, obviously, <laughs> because the name says cowboy shit, True. you know? True. And it's like, yeah, we know we make good stuff. We know we're going to be involved in cool shit, and we're not. We don't, we're unapologetic. Yeah. So sure, I feel sure. like riding a horse and having a beer is one thing. Anybody can do that. But if you're like shotgunning and riding a horse, that's another thing.
2: <laughs> and if it's you're rearing the same up time. while you're doing it, that's
3: a whole other thing.
0: <laughs> I like it. Well, thanks, Dan. This was an awesome chat today. I'm not, I don't know, if man. I miss I've anything. talked a lot, but okay. uh,
3: I appreciate you guys, and I. Uh, hey, we
0: appreciate you. Thanks for making the beer happen. To it. So once again, thanks to uh, Cole Garden for making the Cowboy shit beer happen, Mister Dan Allard. Thank you for doing the show with us this week, and uh, have a great stampede.
3: Yeah, if you find Ted on the circuit, he'll probably have some extra cans. It sounds like. Yeah, I will <laughs> chase so, him down. <laughs> yeah, come and get
0: some Cowboy Ship beer from us out there, and uh, yeah, we'll see you all out there, everybody. Thanks. Thanks again, Dan. Thanks for having us. And awesome. Yeah, thank you. All right. Pop a top again. I've just got time for one more round.
3: Set em up, my friend. Then I'll be gone and you can let some other fool sit down.
0: Well, thanks again if you haven't tried the cowboy shit beer. Thanks to our friends Dan Allard and Cold Garden. Uh, if you haven't tried it yet, you got to go check it out, folks. It's uh, we I've got I brought a whole bunch of it to Pinoca here, even though it's Coors Rodeo, or Bud or whoever it is. But anyways, I got a bunch of cowboy shit beer. So if you listen to this and you you're coming to Pinoca, you know that I'm gonna be there. Give me a shout and I'll uh get you some cowboy shit beer so you can try it out. But uh, if you're in Calgary, check it out at Cold Garden in Inglewood. It's now being served, and uh, yeah, I like it. I've already had one today. Going to have another one here after the show. Uh, but yeah, I really, I, I like the beer. It's a nice blonde ale, very crushable. Cool. I shot, I tried to shotgun one, but I can't shotgun beer. So I didn't do so good at that. Um, but yeah, pretty fun. Thanks to those guys. Thanks to Dan for doing the show with us. And thanks to, uh, thanks to Cold Garden for making the beer happen.
1: I'll have to swing by there during Calgary and uh, Come have one.
0: one Come try it out. Yeah, we got lots of the house too. Oh, I buy by 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 the flat now. I bought four flats before we left to come <laughs> up here. <laughs> uh, okay, but Dustin there's some uh some wild stuff go down last week. Uh the Titan Explorer goes down in uh on the like searching for the Titanic and like I I don't I'm not trying to make light of it, but like how do you go 4 miles underwater in a tin can like that? Holy shit. Oh, and how did that thing survive? the first time a couple times it made it like holy crap man
1: that is wild yeah i know that's not the usual topics of the podcast but yeah when you're no. seeing yeah those guys like i that's insane I, I i really got into it like when the search was on i'm thinking like you know where do you where do you find this thing and then of course oh it yeah funny, and it tragically and then i started going down the rabbit hole of like simulations of how that thing would have gotten collapsed by the pressure down there like
0: holy shit Man, so you, tell me about that though because i I haven't seen any of that but i heard it's like absolutely insane what it would have been like like it would have been like an underwater not explosion but implosion because it's so fast
1: yeah like like in milliseconds it would have crumpled to to nothing wow like it's totally insane yeah like i don't know if you've seen the remote they were using to drive that thing it was like an old xbox controller yeah and I've these crazy bastards it. climbed in there a little little hole that big like I don't know for 250 grand, I, I could have come up with a lot better stuff to do than go down to the bottom of the ocean and look for, it's, it's amazing how, uh, how events like that, like, like it's amazing how many like younger generation people didn't know about the Titanic and we grew up with the movie.
0: True. Yeah. Now it's like, now it's like,
1: now it's trending on Google and Twitter and, and it's getting like a resurgence for all, for all all the wrong reasons. But yeah. uh, Pretty pretty freaking wild to drop into like what looks like a giant propane tank and <laughs>
0: jeez it's kind of you know bad I, though that the like the safety concerns didn't get looked looked at like somebody got sued and had to sign an NDA over it like how do you not I don't know I mean people people ride bulls and do rodeo stuff so how do you <laughs> we're crazy too but yeah. I mean I don't I guess we're not one we can't really knock it. <laughs>
1: Uh, I I mean my, my first choice for my next vacation isn't isn't yeah. underwater tin canning it to the, the Titanic. Yeah, I yeah. guess not. I think some there's been some funny memes in light of a tragic situation. When I seen one, it was like a giant pro farm propane tank, and it was like now giving Red Deer River tours oh, five thousand bucks. Oh uh, boy. Yeah. Oh, so man. crazy huh. shit happening in the world, but
0: Rolling on. Rolling, Rolling on. on. Um, what's the next little bit? By the time this next show comes out, you'll be a, another year older, Dustin. What are you turning 35 this year or what?
1: Yeah, 35. So we'll celebrate that, hopefully, down in uh, kind of gearing up for Calgary. And then, uh, oh, yeah. Gonna jump on and do a little radio this year at Calgary for some Chuck Wagons, which is a world I know nothing about. So I
0: got some homework.
1: Um, I got some homework to do. Jeez. Yeah. So we're gonna be joining that broadcast crew at 9 10 a.m. for. Last weekend of the chuck wagons filling in for a buddy of mine. So, if anyone out there in Wagonland land wants to send me <laughs> tidbits? <laughs>
0: uh I have, have a True, true,
1: yeah, true or false? Uh, I'll say them. Put them on the prompter. Yeah.
0: i <laughs> Awesome. Well, glad to hear you coming back to Calgary. Uh, and Barney's, it's uh, been open for a while. How's uh, how's she going? Or is it? Yeah, it was it was Father's Day weekend. Or is it like this weekend? It's coming up. Yeah, soon,
1: we, we, it? we opened the last two weekends. Yeah, just yeah. weekend only, But we're when the podcast comes out. Uh, we'll be opening the next day the 29th, Thursday and they're Thursday, seven, seven days a week until uh September long weekend. So Ooh, baby, uh, she's been, she's been rocking her own. Lots of people coming to check it out. So get to drum Heller, get the Barneys. Heck yeah.
0: Awesome. Awesome, man. Well, I don't know what else I got this week. Um, we, uh, make sure you get your cowboy should be, there's not a lot of it that we built. There's only a couple thousand cans, uh, and I've already been through a few hundred. So personally, so you're gonna to need to go get that here pretty soon. At Cold Garden, uh, it's at a few select liquor stores, but if you want it, just go right there and get it. They got most of it there, right at the, right at the shop. So check it out there. Merchandise cowshit.ca. We got some new stuff in the works, going to be coming out in the next couple months. Uh, that also. But yeah, man, you got anything else?
1: No, we we had a fun uh we had a fun photo shoot there a couple oh, weeks yeah. ago. That's right. That was a that was a heck of a good time. We. Yeah, we had the pig races going and me and Ted were going to look with dogs. Dogs the dogs. Dino trucks rolling. So that was, that was a heck of a good time.
0: Turns out Pippa's a pig wrangler. She's a mean one. Oh yeah. We yeah, the wiener
1: dog chasing the, the pig. <laughs> the pig. That was great. Oh yeah. Oh, no, it's a busy, busy July. And uh, yeah, looking forward to uh, looking forward to getting down to Calgary and hanging out with you guys and uh, yeah, gearing up for the next, uh, next shows
0: sounds awesome well once again thanks to our uh our editor sean morton uh S- storm defoe on the graphics and the uh, social media and the website dustin thanks for joining me thanks for doing this official first official show as the co-host and we'll uh we'll catch up with you again in a few weeks i guess eh
1: yes looking forward to it
0: awesome thanks for listening to cowboy shit once again we'll uh we'll see you all next time
2: i <laughs> don't Oh if you can hear me, but appear you're coming in clear as a bell. Now having to bats i we'll finally quit the drinking. So I hate and my demons put you through hell. And I bet you're just as surprised as I am they ever let a sinner like me in And I know I didn't do Enough watching over you But well, I will until I see you again now, if you let me